stuff, 80s, 90s, and all that. But uh, yeah, we back back at it, man. See who come on with me today. If anybody, hopefully, hopefully, good dealy. Hopefully, some of y'all will join from uh, who's been with us the past couple of days. Uh, think my think my young boy Josh is gonna join me. I'll see. But um, yeah, I just I got a few things to talk about either way. Um. Yeah, just um, another another interesting day. People still very active doing things in the streets, helping out with people and stuff. I went by the big uh, food uh, food and supply drive and stuff uh, over by uh, fifty by they they said fifty fourth and Wentworth. I, I guess that is the, the address fifty four fifty five. Uh, Wentworth, right off the expressway, you know, by 55th Street, you see uh, the, the the mall over there, and you know, I think, you know, they had some footage of that. There was quite a bit of activity over there on Sunday. Just about everything over there is boarded up now. But, you know, in spite of all that, you know, there was a great scene today with the food driver and everything. I brought some food up there, and um, you know, they had a had a lot of need for food and uh you know baby materials and stuff diapers and stuff and it was it was great to see i mean the people out there uh helping out a lot of people out there helping out assisting and there's a lot of people who still need stuff like yesterday you know if you heard yesterday me and chris have mentioned like how many people were helping out from across the city and stuff across the Chicagoland area and making it a little easier on the, uh, you know, the South side and the West side of sales, the neighborhoods ourselves, you know, it hasn't been so hard to clean up is basically what I'm saying. And, you know, a lot of things have gone, you know, this process of rebuilding, you know, rebuilding, re recovering from the immediate, uh, damage of the, the weekend is a lot of it has been done this week already and hasn't been a long process so far but because a lot of these stores are closed and a lot of people just struggling in general people haven't been working you know the the COVID-19 stuff and how that's affected everybody is there's a lot of people that still need help and this if you don't think that there's anything you could do or is anything that you know, there's been enough done. You know, you're wrong. There's plenty that can still be done. Plenty of people still need help. And I saw today, uh, you know, by, by the expressway by 55th Street. They they may still be out there now giving away stuff. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, if we can get over there still by the end of the day for this curfew stuff gigs in again, see what you can do. But just keep looking out. Uh, platforms like us, we are RegalRadio.com. We're trying to share the information that we come across online about what goes, what's going on with different, uh, you know, different efforts and stuff, drives, cleanup crews and stuff, whatever, you know, uh, legal defense people, you know, offering help, all that stuff. We will we'll share it and help amplify it if you got it. You want to pass it to us or, you know, if you post it yourself I, and if I run into it, I'm going to swipe it and put it on that stuff too. You know, they say no this ain't about stealing nothing or, you know, people people be mad you take your little gift or whatever that they that they supposedly made hot, you know, whatever. It's, this ain't about shit like that. This is about making sure that people are informed and, you know, uh, know that they have that there's assistance out there for them and stuff. And you know, I'm I'm glad to help in that effort. But uh yeah, that was that was pretty big. Just in the last couple hours, I did that. Um, also, I don't know. I want to speak a little bit on something that was kind of wild. Uh, go Josh, but um, yeah, it's just I was also you no know, moving around. I was going through a uh, high park, and. Uh, you know, I, I saw like a bunch of cops over at the Kim Bark Plaza 
which uh, people who frequent that area know it's a little, another shopping strip area in between Kimbark and uh, Woodlawn Avenues on 53rd Street. So, uh, yeah, I saw a bunch of cops over there, and I don't know. I, I got some of my, my lesser angels was, uh, you know, getting to me a little bit, speaking in my ear. I was like, I never would have done this, anything like this, but do something in a confrontational level with the cops, especially cops that are just sitting there doing nothing. They're not necessarily hassling people, but they were deep as hell at this shopping plaza for some reason. I think maybe some one of them had, was getting some food or something, or you know, there was a line for a, a grocery store over, over there. Maybe they was going to the grocery store. I'm, I'm not sure why so many of these cops were over in one place at one time. But seeing that many cops at one time is kind of triggering. Even for somebody like me who ain't even, you know, in the streets like that. You know, but I could understand. It made me think about how for some folks that could be as triggering to see a group of cops like that standing around looking all goofy, you know. Cops see the, the Chicago cops, a lot of them see to come in just two packages. Either they lanky and, you know, crazy tall or they squat and wire around like some Danny DeVito type shit, you know. <laughs> that is definitely how this group looked to me. Like, it's like a bunch of Dr. Seuss characters and, and blue uniforms, you know, but, it's I can see how like <laughs> like you know some cats they were they I've you see all type of videos of standoffs and stuff in the streets you know some cats just roast the cops and that you know you could definitely understand that you know having that in you and wanting to do that like because they most of them just look goofy as hell in the uniforms I'm just I'm sorry you know all respect to them. I respect the ones that do the job right and, you know, treat people human with human with respect and all that. But, you know, even if you do, even if you are an exemplary cop, you still most, it's a good uh, chance you look goofy as hell in that uniform. And standing around, you know, for no reason, just occupying space. That's some gang shit too. So there's also people who've grown up in a certain way where if they see a bunch of people in one uniform type wear just stand around sort of showing off that they deep, that means something to them to them too. So a lot of people have come up thinking that way, you know, thinking of that as a statement of hostility when you have a group, you know, a lot of people say the cops are the biggest gang in the streets, no matter what city you're in. So I think there's times where they, in most occasions, they do act like act like they want that sort of thought process to go in your head. And, you know, they did it today for me. So, and I'm not even like... Also, I ain't never been no gangster like that. But if you're somebody who's been harassed by the cops for years upon years, or if you had stories and other people in your life, close people in your life, you know, I've I've had that. Uh, I've had that at least people close to me who I know have been killed by police and definitely harassed and such. You know, it's just if you have that sort of mind state embedded in you from your previous experiences then when you get in a hostile situation with these people where there's a standoff protest you know to be put in face to face with them and just have them you know with their with their prejudices and their their hostility building up in them and you doing the same things back and forth it's just like a ping pong thing a tennis thing you know these this bad kinetic energy I like giving me bullshit about the music. Let me cut this off. But uh yeah, they're gonna cut me off like the DJs if I play some music in the background. So let me let me just chill on that. But uh yeah, you know, it's it's just it's more of a a natural thing that I think a lot of people may think about the the way that you know people can just pop off. 
just by looking at cops. The same reason why a lot of these cops, it's a flip side, I think, to the reason why a lot of these cops do rant, do these things to, to black folk. You don't understand, like, why do they, why, what do they see sometimes when they look at us that makes them so scared or scary? Or, you know, just want to feel like their life is in danger from the most innocuous shit that we may do. And it, they, they've been poisoned in, the, in a great deal in some way from their police training on down to maybe the shit that their mama and daddy told them when they was they was uh, coming up. Stuff that they've been putting their ear for, for years about, you know, who black, what, who and what black people are. And what they need to, what needs to be done to them to maintain a type of society that they want to have, and it ain't the type of society that we want to have. So it's just continued struggle and strife because of that shit. We keep on fighting these monsters, and you know, they got to be, they got to be redone, like re, you know, re, uh, get, you know, get that brainwash or something, man. Get. Get the drop squad on them, man. We need we need to retrain these folks for real. They can't be gangs. They supposed to be peace officers. You, you know, you want to be a gang. You no, know, that's a battle that none of us gonna win if they if they act, continue to act like a gang. You know, but if they if they live up to the, you know, being to serve and protect that that phrase that we all know. But none of us feel rarely feel that way in the pre- in their presence. You know they have to they have to do that instead of you know some other shit. What, what, instead of what they've been doing, I should say, we have have to get to something purer and more humanistic in the way that they deal with the average person. It's black or white, whatever race. They fucking up whoever comes across them, and that's how gang operates. Mm. Well, yeah, you know, it's just about a quarter into the hour. I don't know. It's, I mean, anybody want to join? Yeah, let's go. I guess I'll get Josh on now. Looks like he wants to get on. Hey, man. What's up, man? Yeah, I mean, the whole I guess I, I just got off in a little rant there, but. Well, I was, I, yeah, I was playing that. Could you, could you hear me? You couldn't hear me. No, I couldn't hear you like that. Well, yeah. I think, uh, I think I sound good in the mic though. So, uh, I you know people be able to hear me later on, uh, on, uh, on the uh, the podcast on Anchor. So uh, they, they should be able to hear me decent there. So I, my, I didn't, I didn't know it was that loud because it was playing. It's pl- it was playing on the phone too. So I was like. Yeah, it was playing on the phone too, and yeah. You don't have to turn it off though, because they put the, the the little red thing dropped down on me. They said uh, they they had a little countdown, like thirteen seconds. They was gonna cut my shit off because the because okay. the music, the copyright. Yeah, so they they's doing me like they do the DJs, man. They 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 can't, you can't mess with. I don't know why why they tripping like that though, man. People are making money off this stuff, these verses and everything, man, and they want to mess yeah. it up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, the last verses that I watched was uh, Kurt Franklin and Fred Hammond, actually. I bet. Versus I bet you were, you was crumped up on that one. Yeah, I was crumped on it all, all <laughs> at the same time because. Nah, the previous, the previous ones, they were doing what they want, but I think it was just in the last week or two where they came with these restrictions. But before that, they were just doing what they wanted, and they, they was playing whole songs and stuff like the, you know, the the, the DJ Premier Rizzo one I watched. That's the only one I watched the whole thing. But 
yeah, they was just playing what they wanted and did what they wanted. So, like I say, these, these I don't know about these companies, man. They they act like they want to they want to do something, they act like they don't, you know. And and I guess that you can extend the same thing to their racial statements, their their Black Lives Matter statements, and all that stuff. What what do you think about the way that some of these companies and these these brands have been, you know, trying to get trying to uh, uh, I don't know kiss up to the movement, however you want to say it, placate the movement, you know. What, what do you think about that type of stuff? I'm kind of torn, to be really honest with you. I'm torn with it because as an optimistic type of person that I am, um, I want everyone to be inclusive to the point where we need everyone's support from all levels and all races and all ages to, to, to move forward. And the only way we can move forward is if they understand the true meanings of why Black Lives Matter. And I feel like with a lot of these companies, they originally don't know that this type of support wasn't there from the jump when all of these things really started playing the role. Even since Trayvon Martin, when the Black Lives Matter movement when it really even started, there was no moral support or understanding for them, for these companies, of what Black Lives Matter movement really meant. And the fact that we're still going through the same issues all the way up until 2020 with the unfortunate killing of George Floyd, and now all these companies want to come out and say, oh, well, you're right, every, every, all lives matter, or, you know, well, black lives really do matter. And it's like, where was y'all supported back when the, this, the movement started? Mm-hmm. Where you guys were the support when, as, when Colin Kaepernick uh, did his kneeling in protest of this? You blackballed the man and, and helped America bash him. Yeah. And now you want to come back and say you want to support him. See, I, I, I want their support, but at the same time, I can't, me personally, I can't take it because of the fact that they weren't sincere from the jump. When we're people like us, we joined those movements, we helped move those movements forward. We talk, we've been having the conversation, we've been having the type of people to show the support that we needed within our, not just within that movement, but within our communities as well. And for these big companies now to come out and say they support, they support us, but quite frankly, that support was non existent prior to this. You can, I can't help but look at them and look at them as sort of like the two-faced companies that we originally thought they would be when yeah. it comes to social justice issues like this. Yeah, you could you could call them unreliable allies to say the least. You know, as they, I think for the most part, most of these companies, I mean, just, but just like with individuals, you may have a case where some of them have been truly awakened by recent events, and you know. Some companies may have more representation now in in their upper ranks than they did in previous years. So they may have black people or other people who are more inclined to have these ideas and they and they put it on upon their companies to make statements and do things like that. But it's but at the same time, like you say, for the I think for the most part, these companies are just really trying to keep things and on a PR level keep themselves as open as possible to where when when their companies are their businesses are open again or they're they're able to when things get quote unquote normal again if they ever do so then they'll have the black dollar you know be able they'll be able to rely on the black dollar again just like they did before because and I think for the most part most of these companies haven't made the statements or haven't really got behind pe- the people's back because they could take advantage of knowing that we were going to spend our money on their products and we didn't really need anything else from they they we didn't make them give anything more to us than the products that we bought from yeah that's that you're, you're absolutely right and this is honestly a twofold type of situation for us because i think one of the only main reasons why this is this this public lynching is going so viral and the outrage is so furious it's because of the fact that there's not America was forced to be on pause. Yeah. There's not much activity going on, and because of this unfortunate COVID nineteen pandemic, we're forced to focus on things that, quite frankly, if that's the real world was one, was running, would not get the full attention that it deserves. Yeah. And we're finally getting that with this lynch, this public lynching on, on the unfortunate death of George Floyd. Now everyone's in uproar. Now everybody wants to chime in. Now everybody wants to say their viewpoints. And show that they're diverse. When, quite frankly, if the real world was running right now, 
you wouldn't get those statements. You wouldn't get that behind that that behind the scenes support. Right. You wouldn't get the riots that you're getting right now. Even though, quite frankly, we should been if you want to be technical, we should we should been riding after for after every um, unfortunate death or police brutality killing that we've gone through, like like we did with Rodney King. Yeah, we should have been having riots ever since that, but we haven't, and that's because the America over time. We have been so desensitized with the fact that we've been having killings constantly for so long that at this point, when we knew that we didn't have the right people to come to help with us, to be willing to come with us to the table, we just kind of got desensitized to it. But now that we're at that point where America was forced to put on pause, your economy was on pause, and unfortunately at this point collapsing, and the big companies are suffering, now it's like, okay, this big thing happens, we have to support the black community, like you, like you mentioned, so that when we come back, and the world is somewhat normal, and the economy's back up and running, we won't lose their money, which is an unfortunate PR tactic that, that a lot of companies are playing. And because of this, now we actually now come up to us actually to support our black-owned businesses. Hmm. Because of this, we can't, we can't always support the same businesses that America has been thriving on for all these years. Black owners and black owners have businesses. And quite frankly, this has opened up our eyes to the fact that when they say buildings matter too, even though we know that's pretty much a BS claim, at the end of the day, black business were loitered, were, were loitered too. Yeah. There was looting with that too. And there is no justice for no peace. There's, if there's no justice, there's no peace. But we, but we as black people need to make sure that if we're going to be supportive, we have to ring that bell with our, starting with ourselves and black owned businesses. Yeah. And so when this situation comes back to normal, now now the big companies that have been running, getting our money for so long, now they can see, okay, we mean serious business. Just like just like in previous protests that we've done, you do a protest a couple of days and then you just hope for the best. Well, now, now we're serious. No. And we're supposed to be serious. Now we're uh, pushing, we have to push that narrative. We've been protesting for 10 days now, still going strong. When this economy backs up, we need to have that same energy and invest it into our black-owned businesses and make that a continuous cycle, not just a one-time thing, to really let our voices, let our voices be heard. We've seen it with the protests. Now we got to see it within the economic, economically with our black-owned businesses. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, shout-out to my, my boy West Coast band, one of my day ones, jumping in with us. And, uh, yeah, that's Josh Hicks you hear talking uh one of my lead writers from we are radio.com you know spin uh building with me here this is the wartime session number four just talking you know some things about the movement and what we observe and what we see going on what we think needs to continue and um you know i think you know we've been talking a lot about these statements and stuff and you know we are we we do lead with like sports stuff you know, on a on a local level and a national level, so uh, you know this is a more sports oriented conversation. I think this is gonna be the day, but then we've had the past couple of days. But um, I want I want I want to get your thoughts on um, because you I know you are a big Colin Kaepernick fan and supporter, and you're not you're not someone who's gonna let go of that that storyline. And you know, I think the way that he's come back up in relevancy over the past week or two has been interesting. And it's, it's, you've had people in the NFL speak more freely about the way that they thought he's, he was treated. And it's sort of a bit bittersweet thing because I, I would have liked to have heard more of that when he was being treated that the way that he was treated. And when it was, when he first got, when, it, when the signs were first being laid down, that he looked like he was being blackballed out the league. There should have been there should have been more, you know, more people should have spoken out at that point. We should have heard from the likes of of Akeem Hicks then. You know, he he had the big statement uh, in the call yesterday talking about uh, we got Mike Glennon. Well, you know, we should they should have said something about that when they signed Glennon. They should have been like, look, I'm I'm not about to play for y'all. They they got. I think the NFL guys have got to enact their power more. They got to be more like the NBA. They got to be more like the MLB. They got to at least fight their ownership more than than what they have because there's there's no rate there's no reason why 
at least a good number of them couldn't have. It wouldn't. It probably wouldn't have been a hundred percent. You can't get a hundred percent of that number of black people on board with the same thing. There's too many people. We have too many different ways of thinking. But there was enough of them, and enough of them in power to where they could have. They could have put a slowdown on the league and told them, "Look, this is a man who is representing us, and we we're on board with what he's saying and what he's doing, and we think he deserves a role in this league. We have we have to make that a priority, or else we we may have to think about a, a work stoppage or something like that. But you didn't have nothing. You ain't. Ha- they didn't force their hand. They didn't force the league's hand. And you know maybe maybe there's reason for that. You know history." Going back, you know, the NFL has been willing to, to put scabs in to replace uh, their 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 real guys when they've had work stoppages. But I think what we've learned in this present situation is that you, you know, some sometimes these institutions, man, you got to step to them for real. You can't you can't pussyfoot with them, and if you want to enact change, and you know, it, like I said, for me. It's, like I say, it's just interesting that we're getting all this stuff now that these feelings were already there. They were, they were, they, we, per, we promoted those feelings and, you know, as fans and as media, you know, responding to things, uh, furthering the discussion, like you say, online every day. But, and, but the, I think the players let us down in that way. They, they felt the same way that we felt, but they didn't express it enough. And if I think if they did, there may have been a better chance for Colin to come back. You know, at this point, it doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. But if if it had if he had the the if he had the type of support now that he had in twenty what seventeen twenty eighteen, he'd have been back by now. No, that's that's true. But the unfortunate reality is when you are enslaved for so long and have been in a league that's been enslaved to yeah. a white supremacist type of order, that's what you follow and that's what you're accustomed to. And if you don't and like you say if you don't have anybody on board, then you're going to deal with that oppression from the jump. The yeah. NFL is not known for diversity when it comes to front office management, when it comes to leadership. They are very frail when especially when it comes to the African American community. And that's why they have. That's why they have to force themselves to implement rules to help with diversity. Yep. Because they don't know how to be with that. They don't know how to be diverse. They don't know how to look at other races and empower them, empower and empower my, uh, minority people to run the show. That's why you have very limited representation, and that's why they have to hire a guy from the black community that is that supports them in order to even be the liaison between the NFL and the players and Jay Z. Yeah. They have to hire those type of people because they don't they themselves don't know how to actually bring themselves to the table and promote their own social justice the, the social justice that we as players and African Americans that are representing that league deserve. Right. Your ownership is for the most part predominantly white and you have no black representation. You only have one owner that supposedly is is a uh, Pakistanian, but his social justice issues is completely different from African Americans. Yeah. You need someone that can relate from a front office management standpoint with your players. Yes, you have coaches, and, and coaches matter within that role help too. If you don't have any of that, your players are not going to feel empowered enough and from a racial perspective to speak up on those rules. And because of that, that's why you have the failure of Rhodey Rule. That's why you have the failure of the Colin Kaepernick process and the NFL. But quite frankly, it should have been, it should have been received in another way that it did. Right. When you have many people in those front office positions and they don't understand what you're promoting, nor do they support what you're promoting, your initiative is not going to move forward within that league. And that's what happened with Kaepernick, and that's why the players are suffering. And, that, and for the black players that supported it, they suffered from that. And, that and, and But that also goes back to now PR. They tried to fix this PR thing by bringing Jay-Z along. And quite frankly, as us, as members of the black and African-American community and supportive of black sports, we was all for it. We was like, J.C. could be the guy that can turn this thing around. But just like many other movements, if everyone's not on board, the table will not move. Yeah. And, and it's gone so bad to a point now that you're even trying to insensitize these owners to join the movement. Right. And that's degrading from a player, not 
responsibility. In order for me to get a position in the NFL, you have to give me draft picks. You thought you like how does that sound as a black man who should be qualified for that position that you that you're being interviewed for? Yeah, it make it like they're doing these coaches a favor by even including them in the process. Exactly, and as a black man, that's degrading. Yeah. When the, and, if, and the unfortunate reality is that's not just happening in sports. That's in America. Yeah. That's in corporate America. We're dealing with the same issues that the NFL is dealing with in our corporate society. The only way that changes is if you bring and uh, if you make a strong push for everyone to be on board to carry out the same the social justice initiatives that you need to represent your company. The NFL has tried to do that by bringing in Jay Z, but have drastically failed. And that's because you don't have you have owners that don't want to move the needle. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to carry out that message. Unfortunately, because you don't have you have owners in the league that won't do it, and you have a commissioner that is supposedly supposed to be on board, but I'm, but but isn't making as much change as he should because he's too busy bringing in the dollars that the owners approve. Right. Well, I mean, and, and you know, you got to remember that the commissioner, as powerful as he is, still is an employee of the owners. So he earns his salary by by making them feel as comfortable and as you know pleased with his efforts as as anything. Because and that and that's mostly tied into the overall revenue of the league. The fact that they get billions of dollars each year from the networks to to broadcast them and cover them. That's what. As long as he, you keep that train going, you know that's what's going to allow. That's what I think keeps it keeps the league afloat. It keeps the league powered, but it also keeps that that old system of old boys network and and white privilege and all these things that we see so uh, aligned with the NFL. It keeps those things alive as well. So we have to have some. We have to have some sort. It's funny how the NFL, in a lot of ways, is sort of like a micro version of American society. You know, you just you see so much that reflects, you know, what 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 American life is like in the NFL. I think that's part of why it's the most popular sport. But it's also and it's also such a popular target for reform in regards to sports, because people see, you know, with unchecked power. You know the 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 type of vices and the type of uh, bad things that can happen when you have an institution go about its business with unchecked power, and that's what the NFL can be. Yeah, that's that's a fact. I mean, look at Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees I mean, Drew Brees is a prime example. Yeah, Drew and and I let before I let you go on. I think Drew Brees and Vic Vic Fangio too had another yep. statement at a, at a statement too that's been checked on and. You know, I think from it, it's like I say again, it shows just how white people can insulate themselves from other thinking and from other people's emotions and feelings and desires and needs. You know, it's so much easy. It's so easy again. That's part of that privilege. It extends the privilege. It allows them to focus on God and country and these ideas, these these really blase these past time ideas that aren't true and that we we as black people we've known that this stuff hasn't been true for forever but as white men they put they invest so much value into that way of thinking that they just forget about everything else and they prioritize that why are you prioritizing a flag over people why is this so important the way that people stand or not for a flag that's something you know you and you 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 tie it into military stuff because you, they know that people can't argue military, but we can't argue the fact that as long as they've been in America, black people have fought for this country, and black and as long as they, black people fought for this country, black soldiers have come back to this country and been disrespected. So what if if you don't you don't want to speak out on that and that history? You don't want to you don't care about that history. You just care about so this sub sub audience that you want to have people you know bowing down almost to the flag and i, I never got that I, I really wish that the, the star spangled banner was never a thing in this sports because it's not necessary it's never been necessary it's it's more about the military and and our our wars 
our military industrial complex of anything than it is about sports. It's just it's just a fake it's just a fake sort of a way of expressing, I think, allegiance and gratitude to our soldiers, which we should we should express those things to. But it's, it's but doing it at, at sporting events doesn't make sense to me. It, it's never made sense to me. And I think all it all it did was provide this sort of conflict that you know Colin was smart in exploiting. And it it provided the beginning of a discussion and a and a you know a, a a fight a social fight <laughs> that we're still engaging in, but it's and it's frustrating in a lot of ways. But I think it's also brought about a lot of a lot of uh, it, it's it's fought against this system and it's it is <laughs> it's fought it's fought against the system and it's fought against like say just just old thinking that we need to get out and and move on from you know but. No, go ahead, Josh. Say what you gotta say. No, you, you you hit the nail on the coffin for the most part, man. Ignorance, the, the phrase "ignorant is bliss" yeah. does not apply to this these topics when it comes to these social justice topics. At the end of the day, it doesn't apply to that. And honestly, ignorant isn't bliss, and it's showing how uneducated white people not just I, I kind of purposely want it to be because mm-hmm. of the fact that if you like you said, if you look at our history. African Americans, we fought in wars to for this country, and not only just fought in wars, we actually fought against the country, against the country back in the Revolutionary War because America wasn't even offering freedom at the time. Yeah, the British were. So if you actually understand your history, we fought for we fought for freedom no matter where it came from. If it came from Britain, cool. It's gonna be in Britain free. If you wanna do it in America, cool. They gonna be in America free. But only difference is you can technically argue, you could argue. That if you did it in the British, you may have a different outcome from your freedom rights compared to where in America. Because, like you said, when you came back in America, all we did was come back as slavery. Mm-hmm. All we did was come back to unjust rights. All we had, all we had, was come come back, and next you know, we can yell to get back on the bus or get back on the master's field. Or if you try to run away, you was gonna get killed. Mm-hmm. So, because of that, if you don't understand that part of your history and you choose not to, which is the ignorant part of this, that's what makes true priests look like. Even though he's an iconic figure and a great philanthropist to everyone, in, from anyone, everyone that's, that's benefited from his uh, his philanthropic work, especially African Americans, and you consider Hurricane Katrina yeah. and the black communities that they went through. Yes, he, he for him to say that type of statement, it shows. Okay, I got money. Let me get back to a community that caters to everybody, compared to a community that makes up most of that New Orleans community, which is black, which is black people. Right. That's that's that that's the that's the thing that makes that situation so so unfortunate for him, especially as someone that is viewed in the NFL as arguably one of the face members of the NFL. <laughs> that's what makes it so bad for him. <laughs> as a, as, as, yeah, that's how West that's my boy West there, man. Breeze can eat a bag bag of baby wee wees. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's how he's that's how he speaking, West, I tell you. But it, it, you know, like I said, it's it's just it's that blind spot shit, man. It's you know, there's a good movie came out a couple years ago called Blind Spotting. I recommend that it's about the ways that we we the ways that we black out, you know, other people's perspectives and stuff. The things that keep us from gaining the overall perspective. I think that we need about struggle and the way that people have to fight for their rights in this country and the, the past fight and present fight. And I think the, like I say, Drew is a, is a man who's, he's done a lot of good things. I think in a lot of ways he, he sees, he may, he may see people as equal, but when, but that's, that's just a way of thinking that only white men are allowed to have. They, they, they see what they want to see. They see a society where, well, I came up from struggle, you know. Then you can too, you know. I may not. I wasn't born with with a, with a lot. I may have came from a trailer home, or I may have came from a, a, a dusty field in the in the in the middle of the country and, and had nothing. But I made something of myself. You, well, there's no reason why you can't. 
but that's not looking into the history. That's not looking into the structural things that and and the just this this it's not a, it's not acknowledging slavery. It's not acknowledging the impact of of Jim Crow and of just a hundred years of of you know a hundred years after slavery. You had three hundred years of slavery and one hundred years of, of of apartheid. You could you could pretty much say. And we, you know, we've been we've lived in police states. We've lived under, you know, rules that, you know, white men have not had to live under. We've, uh, you know, we've been we've been it's been legal to kill us, you know, and on for the most random situations. And, you know, to this day, we still have rules like uh, stand your ground that totally undercuts our humanity. And our ability to defend ourselves in a given situation—that's what they dealt. That's what the young man, the runner, uh, dealt with down in Georgia. You know, them yeah. in the situation that he was in, according to Georgian law, them white men could do whatever they wanted to him. If he did the same thing, the thing to him, he'd have been locked up right now. If if right. he if he left that conversation, and you know, and they didn't. He be locked up right now, getting ready to serve a life, uh, life uh, bid in prison. But that's that's America, and pe- I don't. I just like you say, is I don't understand how you couldn't live with a people. New Orleans is a black city, man. It's a, it's a yeah. it's a city where you learn you can learn so much about the way that people are treated if you just if you get out of that, you know, that tourist area that that uh you know that Bourbon Street area. And, all you gotta do is go up, go uptown, go to the lower ninth ward. You can cease and learn so much about people and how they're being treated. And if you do, if you just do those things, you I'll I don't see how you can come back and say anything about a flag and respecting the flag. The they should be glad that that a player that a black player doesn't go out each week and burn the flag in the middle of the field. That would be disrespect. That would be righteous anger, taking a knee. Was never should have been an issue, and you know if the NFL had knew that at the time, I think they more know now than have ever done it. It's still not a hundred percent. You still you still got a, 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 I don't know how many probably you probably still have twenty five to fifty percent because there's enough white people in those locker rooms and there's enough people in the in their uh, organizations that they know got their back. There's enough people who still are like. You know, forget this. I don't like the way the direction is going. This nation is going, but they got to recognize that the change is coming, and that they need to get with it, or they're going to lose a lot of a lot of ground socially, and that's going to lead to them losing a lot of ground monetarily, which is what they definitely don't want. So let's put keep putting the pressure on them as fans, as media. Let's keep putting the pressure on on the NFL because they need it in particular. And you know, I, let's move on before we go. Uh, I want to. I want to. Let's lighten it up, man. Let's let's just talk as sports writers now, and uh, get off our soapboxes a little, because uh, the NBA is uh, officially they they got their lock. They're playing lockdown. It looks like now to come back. So that's a good thing, you know. Overall, it's not going to be what we're used to seeing. Uh, you know, 22 teams go to play in one setting at down there in Orlando, and they're going to figure out the championship somehow. I don't know if you're going to want to put an asterisk on this season or what. We're always going to remember this this season and how it ended, definitely. But I was just looking like they they put out the whole they they put out the planned schedule, and you're gonna have like you're gonna have the finals. The finals may end in early October, and they looking to come back for the next season as early as December first. That's a hell of a turnaround, man. The, the next twelve months could be a crazy. I'm I, I'm expecting to see some crazy stuff. I'm, I'm expecting to see like one notable, at least one notable player play for like three different teams in the next twelve months or something. Like just get moved around a bunch, like. The draft is going to be wild. Like nobody knows what they're getting in the draft. You know, the, you got teams like the Bulls. The Bulls are are going to have a nine month gap. They say between games, and 
you know, who knows how that's going to affect the Bulls. So I'm, I mean, they just uh, let me let me know, man. What's up? What you think, uh, Josh? What, what what do you think of the the NBA's plan? And are you going to be excited? Uh, the West say he ain't excited. <laughs> so uh, are you more with West or are you more with me? A little cautiously optimistic, I guess. Are you saying? Are you saying do that just for this year or indefinitely? I'm saying you can, I'm saying you can do that indefinitely. You can do yeah. that forever. Yeah. Um, especially with you know, because the biggest thing with the NBA is it's become an all year round type of type of sport. Whether it's the whether it goes all the way to the NBA Finals, and then depending on the way our off seasons are set up with the free agency periods and teams trying to stack the stack their lineups up to play against you know with their super teams and things of that sort. The off-seasons have become pretty lit to a point where it does overpower some professional leagues. So if, if you start in Christmas, you have games going all through the summer when there's nothing going on except baseball. And from a TV perspective, baseball it doesn't get that. It isn't as you watched as much as NBA potentially would be. Mm. So you got the one sport that can, when you still got professional games, the NBA can take, take over that throughout the summer. And then as other sports start to come up, if the offseason is still as lit as it normally has been as of recent with the NBA, that can take up some headlines too. And I also, but aside from that, the 1 through 16 option where you got the best of the 16 best teams going at against each other, that's that format eliminates your East versus West. And I like that because the East, even though they do have some power teams in there, it's not as strong as the East used to be. And the West is so dominant from a talent perspective, that now you're not overlooking any just any teams uh, or any players per se that can get that bang. If you go through the first through six, one through sixteen, you increase your competition, especially in the first rounds. From a viewership perspective and from a competitive step, uh, perspective, you elevate those stakes. And that and at this point, the NBA could use that. So I kind of like it in a couple points. But if you if they really take that opportunity to start the season the next season on Christmas. Take that all the way through. I think this. I think that the, that really maintains the NBA and even escalates it to a point when it comes to when you talk about TV ratings and revenue. I'm yeah. I'm more with you on the Christmas start thing because I think I think yet that would be a, a more ideal place to start. Like you know, we could we could watch ball in October because we love ball, but do you? Do you really want to pay attention to the NBA before Halloween? Like, it's I don't know about that. You know, from year to year, it's just you know they've they've extended it more and more in recent years, and I think that's mostly because of giving the teams opportunities to rest. So I don't know if you if you started at Christmas and play a, the average schedule that they played for years now. You know, you're taking it into July or August. You know, I know people say, or well, just just baseball then. But it's like, I kind of like, I just, I wouldn't want necessarily basketball to run as an indoor sport, mind you, running into that long. So if if I if I was, if I was commish, I would start on tw- at, at Christmas, but I would do like no more than a 70 game schedule. And you know we could play the playoffs like we've been playing it, and you would probably end somewhere, and you still would end likely somewhere in somewhere in June, you know. And that would be that would be what I would do. And then you give you give like July, August, September to really rest. You could have camps come back in October, do preseason, 
uh, in November. And see, this is this is what they're probably going to do though. If they do if they do do something like Christmas start, those they're going to have a preseason tournament. So that that's what I'm getting into. West money's going if the, if they do something like a twenty uh, a, uh, a Christmas start, they're going to have a preseason tournament. Not ne- not necessarily playoff before the season, the preseason tournament. Like uh, you know, look it up. Uh, Silva has talked about this. Or, or they might have a midseason tournament that, like, like do do those like midseason tournaments like soccer does in Europe and stuff like that. They they've been they've been talking about stuff like that too. So, I I just you know the one through sixteen too that I'm I'm more of a traditionalist in that way. I like the regional playoff rivalries that come from divisions. I would I would be more for maybe a one through eight at the first round in each conference and do reseeding each each uh each after each round do a reseed and then you can you can have them you can mix it up how you want but you get your eight in from each conference and then uh have that start from there. I can see that I can def- I can see that I I I think. What makes this these conversations so fun to have is because the NBA is just that open to being to adjusting, and they're just that open yeah. to change. Yeah. Um, so that's something as sports writers concerned and for an analysts and commentators like we are, we it gives us something to talk about and actually puts a realistic stamp on those ideas because those are probably conversations they've probably had beforehand, which makes these things so much fun. Yeah. The idea of having a midseason tournament or something along those lines, I mean, you could do that potentially. You could. Um, could it be more of a risk? Potentially, just because now you're playing at a separate tournament that's separate from the, uh, from the actual NBA season could, have cre- could increase the risk of maybe injury, depending on if they're playing more games. Right. Like how many games would a tournament would be? Um, how long is the tournament? It's, you know, it's not... If they treat it like the AAU circuit, hey, you, you can play up to four or five games a day just to figure out what your playoff going to be, and then you have the, the you know your champion over the over the course of course of three or four days. Right. So it's going to be that type of setup. I don't think they'd have a play that much, but yeah, right. but it, yeah, it what depends on your setup. What do you do? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And if but you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But we know. And we may get some idea with what type of things they may want to institute with with these games that they have in Orlando coming up. Like they, yeah. they apparently they're going to have those playing games play. Some of them play in conjunction with the playoff series. There are going to be some playoff series that start already, while some series are still being figured out. So it's like it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they go. I, but and it seems like the whole league. As most of the league is on board, at least with what they're doing this year, because uh, I think Sham Sarania said it on Twitter that the the only team that voted against the plan was Portland. And I wonder what yeah. made Portland be that one holdout. Maybe maybe they want to. Are, are they are they going to go to Orlando? Do you know? Or are they they're, they're not, not going. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not one of the teams that's listed to go. Yeah, I think they denied. I think they denied the uh, the. They were. They voted no. I think they voted no because of the fact that they, I think it was reported that they, they they viewed that there was better plans to go with uh-huh. compared to what was being on the table compared to what was originally being voted on on the table. So I don't know. That could be. That could be it. Um, but that's the fun part of the league. All I know is that at the end of the day, if they want to talk about changing the league, they got to bring a team back to Seattle. I want a team back in Seattle so that the signers can get their due. That would a different. I mean, that would be ideal for me if you want to talk about changing the league. Why yeah. not expand it? That's the only. That's the. That's the first thing they should do if they're going to expand the league in any way. Yeah, get get a team back in Seattle and uh, stop playing with them people up there because they love basketball and they got a great basketball tradition up there. So, you know, pe- yep. some people talk about taking the team away from Oklahoma City. I think it's. That's not going to really happen now. Uh, I wouldn't see that happen unless they had a change in ownership or something. But, no. you know, yeah, they, that's that's just going to be what Seattle is. 
it'll have to be like that situation in Cleveland where the history of the Browns went with that Baltimore team, but you just got a new version of the Browns that have played there since. They haven't done much, but you know, we just just get the Sonics 2.0 up in Seattle and and you know, maybe eventually they'll have some success. But uh, yeah, we're going to start to, to send it off, man. I don't want to run up against the hour bump like we've been doing. But yeah, let, let people know what you got going on. You got a couple uh, things that, was, that we're about to put out with you. Let them know about uh, In The Scope, too, man. What's up? Yeah, I got a, I got a podcast for media. We are in the radio called In The Scope Podcast with Joshua M. Hicks. Uh, this upcoming week, we got a very special guest. One of my brothers, one of our brothers from a media group perspective, Tony Gill. He's one of the guys that was the main, one of the main producers and the narrator of NBC Sports Chicago's uh, Michael Jordan I'm Back podcast. And he and we talk about a lot of this stuff. We talk about the podcast, how it came about, his role within the podcast, what he learned from it. But also, we also talk about today's Bulls, too. I mean, the season's over now. And the offseason for the Bulls is officially on the clock. So we talk about some new, some bull stuff and his experiences covering the bulls, and it's, it's a lot of good stuff. Uh, definitely check it out um, on the War on Anchor app, through Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcast, you name it. We all on there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Hey, you, you gonna do? You gotta? You got something on the bulls too, right on the site coming up, right? Yeah, I'm working on that. I'm working on that project as well. Um, doing an update on the Bulls and uh, what my opinions are as far as how they should go about this offseason and who they should look into because the Bulls have a lot of questions. You got potentially you got the draft coming up, um, and you also have coaching options. Whether the keeper get rid of Boiler, if they get rid of Jim Boiler, who's the replacement? So who's the replacement that they should really look into? So it's a lot of good stuff coming our way soon. Yeah, keep rocking with us in general. Uh, more bull stuff, and as we get as they get closer back to to the season after the one that's about to end, we'll definitely have more stuff about the Bulls and about the NBA and how this next how this next period of time is going to go. It should be a wild time, but uh, running with war that's still out there. That the the overall basketball podcast we got, we'll try to we'll get that back. We'll get that back on track and. Um, like I say, just in general, man, more more fire for you on all our platforms. And uh, this man has definitely been one of the reasons why we've been bringing it to you in the past. Josh, Joshua M. Hicks, Joshua A. Hicks, I call him when he want to get on the Stephen A. And, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, appreciate you, brother. And uh, I'm, you got a lot of heart, man, and a lot of. A lot of gumption, as the as the old folks could say, that you got some spunk about you, man. And you know, I'm glad I'm glad to help you out in in, in establishing your career, man. And, and you gonna, I know you're gonna keep running with it. No doubt, man. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, no doubt. That's Josh. That's my man. Thanks to everybody for joining us today. Uh, if you watch this later, uh, thanks for watching. Uh, shout out to my boy West Coast, man. Argos finest, man. 63rd in Harlem. Stand up. You know, we out, we out here, man. We, as always, man. This is uh we are radio.com, War Media. This is the next episode, man. We bringing it to you like Snoop and Dre in, in 92 and 2002. And we're gonna keep it coming to 2022. Unless unless we elect Donald Trump ass again, then we out of here. <laughs> All right, man. That's it, man. Much love to everybody. And uh yeah, we're gonna finish off the week tomorrow, man. Uh war session number five coming up soon tomorrow, six PM Friday. Let's end the weekend right, man. End this week right, I should say, excuse me. And uh yeah, hope y'all just Keep doing right out there. Keep building. Keep uh, take care of yourself and others, man. And uh, we're gonna keep it going. All right. Much love, y'all. Stay strong.